All right, Romans chapter 7 this evening. Romans chapter 7. I've said this a lot lately, and I really believe this to be true, that the most wonderful relationship and the most important relationship that you'll ever have in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Your relationship with God is made possible through the finished work of His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. But relationships can be challenging, can't they? And I think if anybody were to think that, well, now that I've trusted in Jesus, then everything in my life is going to be easy, uh, you have made a mistake because it's not true, or if someone's ever told you that or if you've thought that, you've believed a lie. And I think sometimes uh, there is a great struggle in our hearts and lives because if we're trusting in Jesus, we believe that He has taken away our sin, and yet we seem to struggle daily with sin. And maybe even some of you say, I continue to struggle with the same kinds of sin over and over again. And if I'm trusting in the Lord, shouldn't that somehow help me to do better in this particular area? And I think it's important in our Christian life that while we are excited about the finished work of Jesus Christ and the resurrection that gives us our living hope, as we talked about Sunday morning, that if we're going to continue to live the life that God wants from us every single day, we have to be honest that there are struggles and challenges along the way. It can even be discouraging and, can I say, even frustrating to try to live the Christian life the way that we believe and, more importantly, the way that the Bible is taught that it should be lived. See, the day that you trusted in Christ... The Holy Spirit came into your life. That same day, you also began to have struggles in your life, in your relationship between God and between your flesh. As a child of God, you were given a new nature by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought into your life a new set of desires and a new creature with all the potential to live a holy and godly life. We talk about that a lot, about living for the Lord and walking with the Lord. And yet, if we're honest, we all struggle in that life. We struggle with that walk. Your old nature, or as the Bible often refers to it, your old man was crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the grace of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So your old nature or old man was crucified with Christ. So in other words, the source of your sinfulness was done away with, and you were given a new nature with good desires through the Spirit. So when we look at the Christian life in this light or from this perspective, it seems as though struggle against sin would have been utterly done away with at salvation. Right? If we have living hope, if we have new life in Christ, then we should no longer struggle anymore. Sometimes we get that idea when we're talking to other people or when other people talk to us that, boy, the Christian life is so great and there's no more struggle. But then we look at our own lives in reality and say, but, but, but that's not true for me. So either they're just super Christians and I'm not, or maybe this whole thing that they're saying is true really isn't 
as true as they're saying, what am I missing here? And so in our study here on the Holy Spirit, we've spent some time over the last five weeks or so talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life and saving us and sanctifying us and serving us. But tonight I want us to focus on the struggle with the Spirit because the struggle is real and it's real for every single one of us, whether you're sitting here in this room, you're watching online or any person in the world that's a believer in Jesus Christ, there is the struggle. While your old nature, your sin nature has been replaced by a new nature, you still struggle to live in the flesh. And this is where the real struggle of the Christian life resides, the, the battle of the flesh against the Spirit. And that's what we want to spend some time studying together tonight, and I hope it will be a help to you as you look at this. Paul refers to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, and he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes, in Christ. This struggle between the flesh and the spirit is one of the most difficult and frustrating experiences of the Christian life. In fact, it's one struggle that causes many people, even who may be believers who have professed Christ, to in time turn away or to live in such a state of struggle that they never really share Christ with others or never experience spiritual victory in their own lives. The Spirit convicts and creates a thirst for righteousness, but the flesh fights to have its own way and to draw you back into sin. So let's examine this struggle more closely because if you don't understand it, you will no doubt become frustrated. Maybe you're already frustrated and you may even come to the place where you just want to quit. The devil would love for you to believe that you can't win this struggle, that, that, that there's no hope, you're, just, you're doomed to struggle, and it's so frustrating. And some people say, well, then it's not even worth it. What, what's the point? You're in Romans chapter 7, and we're going to read a passage of Scripture together tonight from Paul, that Paul the Apostle wrote. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's writing to the church at Rome, these Christians here who Paul had never met in person. And so Romans spends a lot of time explaining the gospel and the power of the gospel to save you from sin and to change your life. Paul the Apostle is a man who clearly had experienced that life change, right? Because he was on the road to Damascus, headed there to put Christians in jail and to kill them when God got a hold of him and Paul turned his life to the Lord and he got saved and, and God began to use Paul in a wonderful way. So Paul had himself experienced this kind of life change. And if anybody could live in spiritual victory, we would think the apostle Paul should be able to do it. And yet follow along with me in Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 15, as Paul says, For that which I do... I allow not. For what I would, the things that I want to do, in other words, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Hang on to that verse. We'll come back and talk about that in just a minute. 
Verse 18 says, For I know that in me that is in my flesh, this is his sinful flesh, right? He says, Dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. I have a desire to do right. But he says, How to perform that which is good, I find not. I want to do the good things. I want to do what's right. I want to follow God, but I'm just not sure how to actually do that because I don't feel like I have enough strength to do what I know is right. He says, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Boy, couldn't that be like the statement of our lives, right? The good that I want to do, I don't do. But the evil things that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing all of the time. Anyone else ever had that struggle? Oh, good, just me. Okay, glad that the rest of you figured this out. I'm teasing. I know we've all struggled with this, right? And, and I'm sharing with you some things that the Lord is teaching me, not because I'm up here as the one who's not struggling anymore but as the one trying to help you in our relationship, each of our relationships with God, to grow in this area. He says in verse 20, Now I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. He has good intentions, right? But then there's evil present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now think about this again in the context of Paul writing this letter to these Christians that he's never met in Rome, Christians who clearly faced lots of persecution for their faith, Paul's trying to encourage them in the gospel and make sure they really understood the truth of their sin and the truth of God's forgiveness for their sin through Jesus Christ. And now here Paul is relating to them all this struggle. I think in the Christian life, if we try to pretend that the struggle is not real, that we don't have a struggle, then we really open ourselves up to falling later. Pride goeth before destruction, right? And a haughty spirit before a fall. And even as believers in Christ, we need to be careful. We aren't the prideful ones saying, well, look at us. Look at my life. Or I'm better than this person. I've got it figured out. I'm, I'm doing right. And I don't know what's wrong with that person. And maybe they figured it out. And we tend to really struggle back and forth. And, and then inside, internally, people just begin to get frustrated give up. Maybe they just sort of start slipping away from where they once were in their spiritual relationship with God. And we wonder, well, what happened to them? Were they really saved in the first place? Well, that's between them and God. But ultimately, we all will struggle. So just because you're struggling between your flesh and the spirit doesn't mean you're not saved. In fact, it probably means you are saved. And you just need help to learn how to grow in your relationship with the Lord. 
So as we read this passage of Scripture, it almost sounds like Paul is confused. He has good desires, and then he has bad performances of those desires. He struggles to bring his good intentions to reality. Remember I said to pay it, remember that one verse, verse number 17, because we wanted to come back and look at it. Let's go back there again. It says, Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So what's Paul doing here? Is he saying that he is no longer responsible for sin? Is this Paul's Christianized version of saying, well, the devil made me do it. Have you ever heard somebody say that? I would tell you this is not blame shifting. It is true. First of all, we know it's true because it's in the Word of God. But it's true when you understand as well what Paul is describing for here. Paul is saying essentially the real me, the new me, right? He's a new creature in Christ, desires to do good. But the power of sin that's still in me because of my flesh is fighting against the performance of what is good. There's still the power of sin fighting in us because we're still flesh. It's like we're a a new creature inside of an old body. Does that make sense? So the heart or inward man can delight in the laws of God while the power of sin in your body or in your flesh wars against the laws of God. So Paul's describing it for us here. There really is a war that's going on inside of us between the flesh and the spirit. And anybody that would try to pretend that, well, I am, I, I've figured this out. I never sin. I never struggle. They're lying to you. Because the reality is, There's always this battle until one day we reach heaven. We reach heaven because we're still in this flesh. And if Paul struggled, it's probably okay for you to struggle too. That being said, we don't want to just live our life in a constant state of struggle. So I want to encourage you. There is some hope. Paul himself gives us that hope at the end of the passage. But let's take some time and break this down together tonight. Number one, if you're taking notes there. I'd like you to see that after salvation, you are a new creature living in an old body. You are a new creature living in an old body. And the two, your old flesh and the spirit, are fighting for control of your life every single day. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says it this way, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. There's a real battle warring inside of us every single day. So you must understand the difference between having a new nature and having a sin nature. Right? Because if it is your nature to sin, then you are doomed to failure. But when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, He gives you, He makes you a new creature. You now have a new nature. You're still in the flesh, 
But the sin nature is now taken away. If it is your nature to do good, then through the power of God, that new nature can overcome the fleshly habits. It's sort of like you spent your whole life training to do something a certain way. Some of you have done this. You've worked in a particular company or or done things a certain way for a really long time, and then you get a new job or you move to a new place. Now everything's different, right? The policies are different. The procedures are different. Everything's different, and you just feel lost. I remember when I was working in, in, in sales, and we had this whole sales process that we had to follow in certain places within our company intranet where we could get certain pieces of information for customers and do credit applications and and create contracts and and get discounts approved and all the different pieces of what we had to do. We had a certain process for all these things. We had had an, an analysis process that we would follow for each of our clients. And then we had the joy of getting bought out. And all of a sudden, we were merged in with somebody else, and they had a, a different website for everything. They had a different place to go for it. And it, it was so frustrating for the longest time because you would go to a place expecting to be able to get your information, and it wasn't there. And you'd go to ask, well, where is this? Well, I don't really know. They, they're creating this. you know. And, and they would create new systems without, and just close the old one down without really making sure if the new one even worked yet. And it was just this constant state of frustration. And that can be somehow, in some way, how the Christian life feels, doesn't it? Your whole life you've been living a certain way, you've been doing things, you, you've been trained to think a certain way, and then all of a sudden, everything changes. You've been given a new nature, but you're still struggling with the old flesh. In Christian growth, you will never move beyond your belief. This is why the Bible teaches you that you are a new creature. Because if you still believe that you're an old creature, you'll never be trusting God to help you past those old creature things that you're struggling with. In your Christian life, you'll never move beyond your belief. That's why it's so important to continue to study God's Word to grow. Because as you learn more of the truth, and God's Word speaks to you, Through His Spirit, now you're believing the truth and you can continue to move forward in your Christian life. Jesus said, right, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's important to continue to learn the truth of God's Word and continue to study and understand what it means to be a new creature in Christ. The access that you now have directly to the throne of grace the ability that you now have through prayer to go directly to God, the promises that you have from His Word, the power that you have through His Spirit to be able to live the life that He wants you to live. Your Christian growth will never move beyond your belief. Salvation is is receiving an entirely new nature. It's not just a cleanup or a remodel or a reformation of the old nature. This is a crucifixion, a death to the old nature and regeneration, a new nature being born. Remember the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Nicodemus is trying to figure out how you could be born again. 
And he even asked that question that's kind of funny for us to think about when he goes, well, can a man enter back into his mother's womb? You know, how, how can that happen? That's not even possible. And Jesus was explaining to him, this is a new birth. This isn't just a reformation or trying to clean you up or fix what was. It's putting that to death and giving you new life, a completely new birth. But sometimes we look at the Christian life as just a reformation of the old way. Rather, it's a complete putting that way to death and new life in Christ. New life in Christ. After salvation, you are a new creature living in an old body. Number two, the first step to real spiritual growth in the Holy Spirit is to believe what God says about your new nature. What does God say about your new nature? This spiritual growth that comes in the Holy Spirit and ultimately to spiritual victory over the flesh is to believe what God says about your new nature or new man. In Ephesians 4, verse 24, the Bible says this, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So this new birth gives you this new man, which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. In other words, I can choose to do right because my nature is not to sin anymore. Rather, it is to do right, to walk and to follow God in righteousness and in holiness. So whereas before it'd be impossible, now I can because I have God's nature, that new birth put inside of me. Or 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. You understand the difference between a remodel and a completely new build. When you remodel something, you go in to a room, as we've done lots of around here, and, and you put maybe patch some holes and you put some paint up on the walls. But if you cut back into those walls, what do you find? All the dirt and all the mess that was already there to start with. Remodels can look good for a while, but there's something, there's sometimes when you say, this building's not even worth remodeling, we got to tear it down and start over. My friend, when you came to God in your sin, you were not worth remodeling. Because the Bible says you were dead in your trespasses and sin. We needed a complete new birth, a new birth. You're not here just to try to fix up what was bad and make it better. No, if you're in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, you are a new creature, a new creation in Him. So first, you need to believe what God says about your new nature, that you have this new nature. You're not still the same way you were before. But then to begin to work through these struggles, I would say the second step to victory is then to daily put off the old man and put on the new man. Put off the old man and put on the new man. You say, wait, I, th I thought the old man's dead. He is. But you still have those old habits. 
You're still in that old flesh. There's still a battle fighting inside of you. So while you have a new nature, you're still bound in that old flesh. And, and we won't take time tonight, but we could. The person who's been saved the very longest in the room could tell you, I'm sure, whoever they are, that they still struggle with the flesh. So the path to victory or the path to dealing with this struggle is the process of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. To put on Christ. Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And Colossians 3.10 says, And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Galatians 3.27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Each day you will face the struggle of the flesh against the spirit. And each day, really even moment by moment, you will make a decision to either put on the new man or to walk in the ways of the old man. And that's where it's hard. We think, well, I shouldn't have to make that decision anymore. The reason you still have to make those decisions every day is because you're still in the flesh, in the flesh. And if you've lived in the flesh a long time, this is why you often see young children who come to Christ and who grow up and, and continue serving God all their life. They're not carrying around some of the baggage and some of the struggles and having to break some of the bad habits that some people who came to Christ later in life or people who maybe started out serving the Lord and then walked away from God for a long time. Now they're coming back. You're carrying a lot of bad habits, a lot of bad thought patterns, a, a lot of struggles, a lot of scars. But that doesn't mean that it's hopeless for you. It doesn't mean that, well, sorry, that's it, right? Sometimes we look at people and we say, these people seem to really change quickly and grow when they come to Christ, but other people just seem to wallow and struggle. Why is that? Well, often it's because of the habits and the struggles that they bring with them. Think about it this way. If you have somebody who really is well-disciplined and has good, strong personal discipline in their life practically every day, and then they come to Christ and they say, well, now I'm going to discipline myself to read God's Word every day, and I'm going to spend time in prayer, and I'm going to do all those things. Well, they're, they might grow at a faster pace because they're in God's Word. They're in prayer. They're, they're making, used to making conscious decisions. Someone who maybe, though, has really just struggled with laziness or, or a lack of organization or a lack of, you know, just any sort of personal discipline in their life, they can be saved just as well as the disciplined person can be saved. But it may be difficult for them to work through some of those struggles and those bad habits that they brought in with them. Just like the disciplined person may struggle with learning to really trust the Lord because they've always trusted in their discipline and always trusted in their ability to figure things out. Everybody has struggles, right? Our struggles are just different from each other based on who we were or who we are. And so in your Christian life, understand the struggle is real. But there, it requires, one, knowing who you are in Christ Remembering you are a new creature. He's given you everything you need in His Word and by His Spirit that you need to be able to make right choices. But now you need to study that out. You need to learn the truth. You need to get others around you who, who can encourage you. You can't just 
assume that, well, now I'm saved. I will never sin again. I'll never be tempted again. I'll never struggle again. No, the Bible is full of followers of God who fell into all kinds of horrible sins, all kinds of struggles. It's putting off and putting on. Getting up each day and saying, today I'm choosing to follow the Lord. Today I'm going to spend time in God's Word. When you do fall, what's the, what, what does the Bible say? The, the just man falleth seven times and yet riseth up again. How many times did Jesus tell His disciples to forgive those who wronged them? Remember when the di- disciples came and said, you know, if somebody's wronged us, Lord, how many times should we forgive them? Even seven times? And thinking, that's a lot. And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven, right? Not saying that we should keep track. All right, it's 400, 300, you know, 485, 486, all right, 490, that was your last one, sorry. No, just that if you've forgiven somebody that many times, you've probably lost track. In other words, just keep on forgiving. Why? Because every day it's a decision. Moment by moment it's a decision. And sometimes we make the wrong one, don't we? And we succumb to the struggle and the flesh wins. But the great thing is, if you have the Spirit, the flesh doesn't have to keep on winning. But the devil will come along and, and he'll whisper in your ear, figuratively speaking. He doesn't, probably won't hear his voice, but figuratively speaking, all of a sudden you'll start to doubt and say, why am I struggling with this? And you'll begin to doubt whether or not you're a new creature or not. Well, maybe, maybe I'm just not as strong as somebody else. Or maybe, maybe I didn't pray the right prayer. Or maybe this or maybe that. The devil loves to keep people defeated in their Christian life because a defeated Christian doesn't do anything for the kingdom of God. In fact, a defeated Christian sometimes can do more against the kingdom of God than even somebody who's not even a Christian at all because they often fall into things like hypocrisy saying, well, I, look, I, I am a Christian, but then they're not living for Christ and they do more to turn people away from the Lord. You don't have to live as a defeated Christian. Remember who you are in Christ. Moment by moment, choose to make those decisions. What do I need to put off? Well, how do you know what you're supposed to put off? It's in God's Word. God tells you what to put off. Well, I'm not sure. Let's study together. Well, how do I know what to put on? Well, let's study the Word of God. He'll tell us. The Bible tells us what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. The Bible tells us that Peter wrote about adding to your faith virtue and all of these things that you add into your life, little by little, day by day. The Christian life, the key to victory is, one, knowing who you are in Christ. Two, putting off the old man and putting on the new man. I want to explain it to you a little another way as well that might help some of you tonight. Because salvation is a one-time decision, right? But a lot happened, and a lot keeps on happening even after you were saved. Sometimes you think, well, I got saved. You know, that's good. You know how it is, right? You, you, you get to a big moment in life, like giving birth to a child. Some of you have been through that. The child is born, and that was all you could think about. And then all of a sudden, oh, the child's born. Now what? Oh, we actually have to raise this child and feed this child. You know, and some I've seen new parents, and my wife and I were a little bit that way too when we were first-time parents. 
there's baby coming. We're all excited. We've gone to the classes. We've got everything ready. Whoa, now it's real. Now it's here. You know, it's one thing to talk about it. Now it's here. What do I do now? How do I live with this child? I'm expected to care for it and provide for it. Getting saved is a wonderful moment. It's exciting. You've received Jesus. You're on your way to heaven. And then, oh, now I'm supposed to live? Live for the Lord? What does that look like? Well, when you trusted Christ, it began this threefold process in the complete work of redemption. And understanding this process is important in the daily struggle between your spirit and the flesh, between, between the Holy Spirit and your flesh in your daily life. The first one we look at, which I think I put as number four in your notes, rebirth is immediate at salvation. So new birth, rebirth is immediate at salvation. Rebirth was the miracle of the moment of salvation. Your spirit was made new and the Holy Spirit came into your heart. That all happened when you trusted Christ as your Savior. Jesus said this in John 3, verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in John 3, 5, continuing on in the same chapter, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. This is Jesus in that conversation with Nicodemus, this religious leader who knew the Bible, but he didn't understand the idea of the new birth. And Jesus was explaining to him that when you receive Jesus, when you receive the Lord, it's new birth, and that's how you enter into the kingdom of God. So rebirth is immediate at salvation. So if you tonight, and as far as I know, every single person in here, I think I've talked to at one time or another, you've all indicated to me that you've trusted in Christ as your Savior. Now, I in no way want to put any of you into that and say, well, clearly you're saved. That's between you and God. And if you've never experienced true new birth, maybe you've prayed a prayer, maybe you've even been baptized before, maybe you've been in the church a long time, but you've never truly trusted in Christ as your Savior, do it today. Don't delay. Don't let anybody else make you think, well, what are they going to think? That is so unimportant because eternity's coming. And, it, and don't let somebody else keep you from spending eternity with the Lord. Make that excuse. Trust in Him today. But if you have Christ, if you've trusted Him as Savior, then rebirth has taken place. It was immediate but number two or, or five in your notes, renewal is a lifelong daily process. So you've been born again if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, but now comes the process of renewal. This is sanctification, we call it sometimes, whereby God transforms my heart and life from the inside out. So He's given you that new birth. You have that new life. You now are the new creature in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. But now becomes the, comes the process of changing you from the inside out. Because when you got saved, yes, on the outside, you might have a bigger smile on your face than you did before. You, you might, but you still probably lived in the same house. Probably still had the same family members around you, still probably worked the same job, you still had the same set of friends, 
But all those things affect you in very dramatic ways, don't they? And when God begins to do that work of changing you from the inside out, He begins to change those things. You know, isn't it amazing to see when one family member trusts Christ that often in time, if they're growing in the Lord, more of the family will trust Christ and follow the Lord? Why is that? Because as that one individual is changing and, and, it's, and God's working in them to renew them, their testimony begins to work on others, and others are, wow, something's changing, something's happening, and they come to Christ too. Renewal changes marriages, right? It, it takes two people who might have been fighting all the time and now gives them new purpose because now they're both following Christ together. Renewal changes relationships between parents and their children because God's Word teaches us how to parent properly and how to discipline our children properly. And when children come to Christ, all of a sudden they are new creatures now as well. And while they still struggle with the same childishness because they're still children, you can help them to train the outside so that it begins to look more like the inside now that God is doing a work in them. Renewal is a lifelong process. In Romans 12, 2, it's described this way. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Bible here describes it as renewing your mind. How do you make your mind new? Well, your mind, what's here, the way you think, your attitudes are changed by what you put into it, right? And so if you want your mind to be renewed, you have to start putting new things into it. Because whatever you put into your mind is going to affect your mind. So if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you continue to put all of the same old things into your mind, your renewal process is probably not going to be functioning very well. Right, Because you're still pouring the same garbage in. So it requires renewing your mind by the Spirit, putting in new things into your mind. That, that's the Word of God. That's truth. Because you've been programmed your whole life to think a certain way, and God wants to renew your mind. And He does that through His Word. So transform by the renewing of your mind. And as that takes place, as your mind is renewed, you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Can I urge you in your own homes to take care about what you are allowing to be put into the minds of the people in your own home? What you're consuming through your music and through your movies and through social media and YouTube and what you're reading in books and just what you're putting into your mind. If you want to experience change in your spiritual walk, let this renewal process with the Spirit of God take place as your mind is being renewed. If you're struggling to see that process really taking place, start to examine what's going on, what's being put into your mind. If it's not being renewed with the right things, you probably won't be experiencing the renewal in the same way that other people are experiencing it. Ephesians 4.23 says it very simply, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day, day by day. 
This renewing of your mind process is not a one-time thing. It's a day-by-day thing. That's why you may have known the Lord for many, many years, and you may be able to quote lots and lots of the Bible. But continuing to grow and be renewed is a daily thing. There are a lot of people trusting in their spiritual relationship from 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago as to what is keeping them strong today. But your relationship with God is something that, yes, if you trust in Christ, it's secure. But if you want to keep growing in it and not start to struggle and waver and fade, it's something that needs to continually be renewed day by day. Day by day. We're talking about the struggle of the Spirit. It's real, isn't it? We've all experienced it. Colossians 3.10 says, And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge. This again talks about what you're putting into your mind. Renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. That's after the image of God. After the image of Jesus Christ. So if you want to grow in your spiritual life, if you want to experience victory through the struggle between the flesh and the Spirit, keep renewing your mind with the truth of who Jesus is. And then be making conscious decisions to obey it and do what He says. It's, not, it's one thing just to know it, then we have to do it. Right? And then let me give you the final point. I know we've gone a little bit longer than normal tonight, but I think this is a very important subject for us to consider. Redemption is a future promise. Redemption is a future promise. We're talking about rebirth, renewal, and redemption. Rebirth is what took place at the moment of salvation. Renewal is a process of a lifetime. And Redemption is something we ultimately experience in the future. Now, are we redeemed? In other words, did God buy us back from the slave market of sin? Yes, when we got saved. But let me explain a little more what I mean. Redemption is the final step of salvation when my sinful flesh will be traded in for a new body, a perfect body without sinful tendencies. That's when the war between the flesh and the spirit is officially over. And anybody that says that it happens before then clearly has never read Paul's words in Romans chapter 7. Or if they have, they're just ignoring what it says. So this won't happen until we see the Lord at the end of this life. That's one reason for the believer. There's great hope in what is to come after this life. And while Paul was not trying to figure out how to end his life early, he said it this way, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Wouldn't it be great to live where there was no more struggle? No more struggle between the flesh and the spirit. That's what comes when we experience the full reality of the redemptive work of Christ in giving us Yes, making us a new creature on the inside, but then giving us that new spiritual body. Romans 8.23 says, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, we right now have the Holy Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. That's the struggle, right? Waiting for the adoption to wit the, here's the word, the redemption of our body. Our soul's been redeemed 
but your body and my bodies haven't been redeemed yet. But that day's coming. We're groaning. We're, we're struggling right now, but we're looking forward to that day. Ephesians 1.14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. So why does this all matter? Well, until your body is redeemed, you will be undergoing God's work of renewal and transformation through the renewing of your mind. With every passing day, the Holy Spirit desires to live out the character of Jesus Christ in your life through your mind and through your body. This is the daily battle of the Christian life, and God designed it purposefully this way. God designed it this way. The struggle in Romans 7 that Paul talks about, it's often frustrating, but God chose this process. God will glorify Himself through the daily transformation of your life. While the struggle can be discouraging, the victory's promise. Look back at Romans 7. I want to read two verses and then we're done. Because the Romans 7 does not end in despair. Romans 7 verse 24 says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? If you can read it on the screen or in your Bible, let's read verse 25 together because here is the hope. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So I can have victory through Jesus Christ. Understanding my new birth in Him. If you're saved tonight, you have new birth in Christ. Understanding there's still a renewal process taking place. Some of you may be right at the beginning. Some of you are somewhere along the way, but all of us are in that process. Don't look at somebody who seems to have some areas that they're doing well in as, well, they have it all figured out. What's wrong with me? No, they may just be a few steps down the road further. And we can help each other in that process. And understand that final redemption of your body, it hasn't happened yet. For those who are with the Lord, they're experiencing what it's like. What a day that will be when Jesus we will see. The struggle of the Spirit, when handled properly, will bring forth wonderful fruit in our life. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But I hope tonight you can take these things and and spend some time thinking on this. Yes, it's a struggle, but there's hope, and we can continue on as we walk in the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this evening and this time in your Word. I pray that you'd help us as we consider these truths to continue to walk in your truth and to find our hope in you. Pray that you'd help those who may be struggling tonight or those who will struggle to understand and to invest in this process that you have created and you've given us all the necessary ingredients that we need to be able to persevere through the struggle that is inevitable for every believer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.